Welcome to Hub City Homers, episode number 36. Uh, obviously, Mike isn't with us tonight, so it'll be me, Jack, along with uh, Kendall this evening. And we're going to dive, touch a little bit on basketball. We got some brief news, uh, 24-7 giving the crystal ball on Kevin McCuller to Kansas. Uh, we're also going to touch on Bryson Williams getting called to the NBA Combine after his outstanding showing at the G League camp. Uh, after that, we're going to touch on a monumental sweep in Stillwater and then kind of look forward to this three-game series that starts tomorrow, Thursday, against Oklahoma. So hang on, sit back, and uh, enjoy the ride. Kendall, 24-7 this week gave the crystal ball prediction for Kevin McCuller to go to Kansas next year. Uh, I know we've talked about this t until we're blue in the face, but how do you see this shaping up? How do you feel like this is going to impact Tech fans? Do you think Tech fans are going to feel more slighted than when Chris Beard left? Or is this kind of not as important, but still hurts because it's an interconference rival? Uh, to me, that, I mean, it kind of depends how you really feel. You know, people feel differently towards different people. Obviously, everyone in our fan base absolutely loved Chris Beard when he was here. Uh, and that one was really just an absolute nut punch, him and going to UT. But, you know, I completely understand the fans that are on the side of if, you know, Kevin McCullough goes to Kansas, like, he's dead to tech. Like, to me, he... See, with McCuller, the big thing that I think everyone can agree on is if he, you know, doesn't go to Kansas, uh, he will, and mostly if he stays in the NBA, he will always be viewed as, you know, a Red Raider legend. Uh, he is one of the very few guys that um, not only what has he been great for the program, but he's been great for a long time, uh, you know, since – Texas Tech's basketball program has grown into this uh, kind of, I don't necessarily want to say elite, but it has been elite with the results we've gotten. Um, you know, a lot of our best players have been here one, two years max because of uh, between the transfer portal and uh, players just leaving to go to the draft and stuff. But McCullough is really, you know, him and Kyler Edwards both the last two seasons are two two of the guys that like I would say le guys that made a legacy here that have really um up and left and throw TJ in there too but TJ compared to everyone else I mean that was probably the most understandable transfer I've ever seen but uh with Kev it, I will continue to beat this thing that like he has there's no benefit from going making that jump from tech to Kansas to me because, you know, offensively, I'm just curious as to what different shots Kevin McCuller is going to get. There's no way he has the ball in his hands consistently more. Uh, and to me at Kansas, like, he's going to have to compete for a starting spot because it's Kansas. Like, everyone there is going to be – if Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson come back, you have two guys that are very similar to uh, McCuller and what he does. So – It'll be really confusing. But to me, the crystal ball to Kansas 
kind of shows one thing. Because, you know, he put Gonzaga in there as an option. To me, that was more to numb. I, I think that he wanted to take a little bit of the slack off of if he just said that he was, you know, if he comes back to college, he's going to Kansas. I think he threw Gonzaga in there just to kind of throw people off and possibly, you know, get some people off his back because he knows how bad that Kansas look is. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's uh, he's still a young guy. Uh, I'm not going to bash him for doing what he thinks is best for his life, but I'm not about to go cheer for him. If he goes to Kansas, like this, it's kind of funny. I said it to a couple people that I'm friends with this year's Kansas team is, it was kind of weird. It was probably what I don't want to say necessarily the most likable, but it was the most likable Kansas team there's been in years. Like, you know, between a and guys like McCormick, uh, Brown Wilson, like they were all guys that like, it was just, um, it, it, I didn't have a lot of reasons to hate them like I typically do with a lot of KU players. But next year's team, if they go and get Kevin McCullough, if they go and get Tyrese Turner from Iowa State, that Kansas team is going to be the most hated team in the Big 12 by far, which they already are. But they're going to be the most hated team, Kansas team that I can remember in a very long time. And he deserves every single boo that he gets if he comes back to the USA. I don't think he should be getting like threats or anything. Obviously nobody should, but you know, when he comes back, I hope they tear him apart. I hope they make his life hell because it's already hell playing at the USA, but you know, he knows that he knows what he's going to get when he comes back. So that's just another thing I don't really understand about it is like he was front and center for all the things that just happened to Chris Beard. And he really looked in the mirror and said, damn, I want to go experience that from that side. Like, I'm just still kind of confused on everything with the whole McCuller situation. I agree. I, I, a couple points. I, I think that what made the situation a lot easier for us to us in Kansas in that, in the three games that were played this year, um, they were all close. Uh, none of them were really blowouts. Uh, you know, we, we win in Lubbock, they win in double overtime in Lawrence and Ochai body pretty much saved their season on that, on that three. And then, you know, they beat us in Kansas city for the, uh, for the big 12 tournament championship. I just, we've also had a lot of positive interactions with the Kansas, uh, the Kansas uh, Twitter fan base stuff, you know, like across our Twitter interactions and stuff, you know, we interact with rock chalk blog a lot and uh, they're good guys over there. And I think uh, just having positive interactions with them, you know, I think it was somewhat of a thing that tech was finally getting the respect that or we were finally getting the respect we thought we always deserved. And then, um, but yeah, I agree. I agree with you totally. It really doesn't make sense to me when Kevin McCullough sees what that Chris Peer just got torn to shreds and said, you know what? Yeah, I'd like to experience that. Because you're absolutely right. They're going to get booed out of the arena when they go to Iowa State if they get Tyrese Hunter. Uh, they're going to get booed out of the arena when they come to Lubbock if they get Kevin McCuller. And, you know, I can't really 
blame either fan base for their positioning on that. That's such a that's such like a slight to both fan bases that you just think you can transfer across like or in inner conference teams. And well, and just yeah. to add on to that, like the thing that really bugs me is you know inner conference. You know, outside of Texas, uh, there's some other ones that would be very, I guess, understandable compared to KU. But the thing that really bugs me about it being Kansas, they stopped Tech this year from accomplishing just about every single thing that that team could have accomplished. They were the reason we didn't win a Big 12 regular season or tournament title. And, you know, that affects seeding, that affects everything. And everyone in that locker room knows that. And, you know, um, Adonis just did an interview with Guns Up Nation and his reaction to Kevin transferring in general, but like especially there was really telling as to like, you know, I obviously, you know, everyone, all those guys are going to support McCuller as they should. They were a team brotherhood. That's a family and they're going to support all their guys in those decisions. But like part of, especially Kevin O'Banner is the guy I'm going to really point out here next year. That dude is going to look McCuller in the eyes, and I know for that one game, those guys are going to take it personal. All the guys that, uh, you know, will be from this year's team next year. Um, I think there's just going to be a lot of guys that uh, really take that Kansas matchup even to the next level, even though it was already there. But uh, I'm really uh, – there's just so many things to unpack with uh, the McCuller situation and you can, you know, you were making some great points too. Um, But yeah, I just, it really bugs me that that's the team that took just about everything from us this year, because we, we swept Baylor, we swept Texas. We, we beat the teams that we needed to beat and we did beat Kansas, but they beat us the two times that, you know, probably two of the three games that hurt the most to lose this year. So I, I just don't get it. Well, we'll, we'll uh, pan another direction now for some good news. Uh, after, after a couple of games at the G league elite camp, Bryson Williams has received an invite to the NBA draft combine and all I can think of, Kendall, when I think of this is, guy, it's about time. You know, it's overdue, and uh, this guy's a star. And I, and I think everyone in the Big 12 knows for sure. I can guarantee you everyone in the Big 12 knows that. I can guarantee you the guys from Kansas know. And I'm pretty sure Bill Self has thanked the Lord many times that he doesn't have to deal with Bryson Williams anymore. But... It's about time that he's getting the recognition he is. The kid's going to be a star. And, uh, you know, I, it's just it's just really nice to see. It really is because uh, he, you know, he started at Fresno State. Obviously, really not many people knew who he was there. Comes to UTEP, and he really gives himself a name in one game. It was that Kansas game at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, where he just absolutely put on a show. I think it was during COVID, the COVID year. Um, I think he put up almost 30 points. And that's when people really like were just like, well, damn, this dude can play. But now he came to Tech. Um, you know, it's really funny, actually. 
uh, I remember when we first started this pod, it was pretty, pretty early on. Uh, it was probably like last year, early in the basketball season, we were harping uh, on Bryson Williams pretty early in the year because he, you know, wasn't living up to the expectation that, you know, we thought he would when he came in. A lot of people did have high expectations. Um, and I'll be the first person to say it on here. When he struggled, I was on him. But as soon as conference play hit, that guy took it to another switch. That And the Big 12 is the best of the best. If you can compete in the Big 12, you're competing anywhere. But So that's why, like, the G League Ignite camp is really not shocking at all. But, you know, what was really surprising to me was he scored 23 in his last game there. But um, he did on eight shots. And that was something that uh, he did very well at Tech. He was so good at getting to the line and forcing contact. And uh, I think that is something that um, is really going to appeal to NBA rosters is, you know, his physicality um, and especially his ability to play the four or the five. Uh, I think that definitely opens some eyes because, you know, there's a lot of people, It you know, if you watch Tech a lot this year, you know Bryson Williams can shoot. but if you just look at numbers, you're going to probably think that, you know, he doesn't necessarily shoot that much and there isn't a whole lot of consistency all the time. But really, Bryson Williams was probably Tech's best shooter last year. And that's just another dimension to his game. And I just wanted to throw the uh, the other guys that were in there were Tyler Edwards, former Tech player, obviously, and uh, Kevin McCullough were both also at that G League camp. I think it said at least the second scrimmage that I saw that Kevin McCuller was out. So he didn't even play. It was, they said illness slash injury. So uh, I have no, I don't know if he's still recovering from something, but he didn't even get to really showcase much. And Kyler, he struggled in the first game, but um, it's actually, it was really nice to see. I, I got, I watched their second scrimmage and Kyler and Bryson both were, they both just played phenomenal together. And it was really, it, it kind of sucked because watching those two play together, they ran the pick and roll a lot. And it was just a dimension that I saw that could have been added to this year's team that just kind of hurts a little more. Cause you know, I, I said at the beginning of this year, but like, you know, a guy like Kyler would have been perfect for this team. And you know, it's the way he left, it still pisses me off, but uh, you know, seeing him, get a shot at the combine and he didn't get called up, but he was still one of the more impressive players there. So I'm hoping he gets his shot too, but uh, shout out to Bryson though. He, everybody that watched tech this year knows how hard that dude works and listen to his teammates. He is the best locker room guy was the best teammate leader that tech could have had come in. And, um, you know, I'm not going to be shocked when I hear his name called on draft night and, you know, as a, as a Los Angeles Clippers fan, I'm saying bring him there. But um, really, I think that he could flourish just about anywhere. I agree with that <clears throat> completely. So we're going to pan now to the baseball aspect of the pod. Texas Tech, man, um, the highs have been really high this year <laughs> and the lows have been really low. Uh, that's really all I could say right now. Texas Tech obviously swept Oklahoma State last weekend uh, in 
Stillwater, Oklahoma, scores of seven to six on Friday, nine to three on Saturday, and six to four on Sunday. Andrew Morris, Brandon Birdsell, and Chase Hampton were your starters. Uh, you know, Andrew Morris and Brandon Birdsell were just as good as advertised, just as good as they have been all year. And Sunday was some refreshing content to see and a refreshing result because Texas Tech won a game, swept a series against a number three team in the country on the road in their house. Uh, Kendall, I don't know if you know this, but the last time that Texas Tech baseball lost a singular game in Stillwater was during the Obama administration. It was in 2014 was the last time that Texas Tech baseball lost a singular game uh, in Stillwater. And go ahead. That's kind of funny just because, you know, look at, you know, since Tadlock has got to Tech, that's really just the program just skyrocketed. And the one team, the one program that has really felt the blunt of that for whatever reason, I don't know if Tadlock just has like a vendetta against, you know, Oklahoma State, but what his – team is ready to play especially in Stillwater like that is just I you know you can say a lot about you know the baseball program especially we've said it all year they've been really up really down but uh you know this was the biggest series of the weekend and they did so much more than step up I agree uh I I I still would and I'm in my article I said that this was the most important series of the year and I stand by that. And yeah, you, you always like to beat Texas when they come to Lubbock. It's always fun to do. And uh, it's always nice to take, you know, a series from, I think they were they were number two when they came to Lubbock, and we beat them two games to one. But uh, that was the first Big 12 series of the year. So, I mean, you could have, realistically, you could have gotten swept in Lubbock and still, you know, found a way to found a way to uh, make something out of the year uh you know the earlier the earlier series in the conference schedule i'm not saying they mean less but you know they're they're sometimes not as impactful games so uh it's all like i said it's always nice to beat texas whether you're in lubbock or austin we've been doing a lot at both places lately but this this series was very important tech has regained control of its own destiny in the Big 12 title race. Uh, The scenarios look like this. If Tech sweeps Oklahoma at home this weekend, Tech is the outright Big 12 champion. Uh, If if Tech goes 2-1, and they will be in a tie with TCU and Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma State sweeps, um, if Oklahoma or if Tech goes one and two, now we're in second place with Oklahoma State tied. And if Oklahoma sweeps us, then I believe they end up in a tie with TCU for first place, which would be just the worst case scenario. But that would that's the the butt end of the deal there. So. A lot of scenarios. The race is still wide open. TCU's in the clubhouse. TCU does not play this weekend. 
So that's where we are. Uh, I'd like to touch on the games from last weekend, kind of dive into them a little bit. Um, so Friday, we win 7-6. to six. The ending of that game was just absurd in the rundown. Um, very, <laughs> very... Uh, we caught a break. I'll, I'll just lay it out. We caught a break in that game. Um, there was really no reason that we should have won that game. Uh, you know, they had already scored one in the ninth, and they were coming back. They, I believe they had the bases loaded when when the uh, semi-pass ball happened and Hudson White kept it in front of them and, you know, got uh, Krull in the rundown, and they ended up getting them. And, you know, it was fitting that Cole Stilwell slapped that final tag on him when he was trying to slide into home. Because, you know, Stillwell had that grand slam earlier in the game that made it 5-2 to two, that kind of put Tech out there and, uh, you know, kind of put some distance between them. Uh, Andrew Morris, like I mentioned earlier, was great. And something that I also haven't been able to say for a lot, the bullpen did enough. Uh, the bullpen did enough to, to bring this one home. And, you know, you, you get... You get an outing from Bridges. Uh, Molina pitched a scoreless inning. Uh, Sanders went two thirds. Beckel went, or Beckel saw a batter or two. And then uh, Divine, you know, so you got guy, you got a solid enough appearances from those guys out of the pen. And it was enough to put that win over the edge. And so you're thinking, oh, you know, based on what we've seen so far this year, oh, there's our one good uh, bullpen performance. But, you know, in game two, you know, Birdsell Birdsell goes seven innings, uh, three hits, two runs, and then you get another good performance from Colin Clark, uh, Derek Bridges, and then Devine again comes in. Uh, and, and, you know, it wasn't a save situation, but he ended that game as well. And, you know, there was a grand slam in that one from, uh, Owen Washburn. So the bats were, the bats were working. The pitching was quite frankly, the pitching was the best that we've seen it all season. Um, and, and with, in saying that I'll lead into the Sunday game, Chase Hampton pitched his ass off in that game. Uh, easily the best, easily the best uh, performance from him all season. Uh, followed up by Molina, Sanders, and uh, Becker. Becker came in and pitched the final two innings. It was really nice to see stuff from Chase Hampton, who obviously we've known has the talent to be in that third spot. Uh, you know, he, he led off your, your regional last year against army. He pitched in the first game. He started that game. Um, we won that game. So the kid had the talent. It's just kind of been an up and down year for him. And, you know, maybe he's on the right track now and maybe he just got that fire back. Cause man, he was pitching with some emotion and, and, you know, the Oklahoma state people were, 
were getting all pissy. They're making up stuff, saying that Tadlock was flipping off fans and stuff, which I thought was, which was very funny that they could make up something so egregious. But um, I think that Oklahoma State fans are just tired of watching Tech come in there and win all the games in Stillwater because we've done it for three straight series now. Um, did it in 2016, 2018. Obviously, 2020 wasn't played because of COVID, and then 2022. So that would be three straight series. It's uh, nine straight games. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the last, I guess, was that Tadlock's first year that was the last time we lost a game in Stillwater? Is that? That was twenty four. Mm. That was be that'd be twenty fourteen. So yeah, I think it yeah, was, fourteen was, was yeah, his, first. Yeah, so so yeah, that was the last time we lost in Stillwater. So um, you know, also I wanna I wanna mention the announce the commentators on the ESPN Plus um, broadcasts were absolutely horrible, but that's what you get when. Um, one of the commentators is the father of the head coach. I don't know how they get away with doing that, but that is just the, that's the uh, hand you're dealt when you go up there. Um, so those holiday, those hall, that holiday families all got their tentacles wrapped all through that, uh, that program. So, you know, for better or for worse, I guess for Oklahoma state and lately against tech, it's, it's been for the worse for them. So, um, Kendall, I'll ask you this. Do you think that it's safe to say that, well, I'll, I'll pose it this way. We know that from the pitching, after Tim Tadlock's press conference today, that the, the rotation is going to stay the same as it was this past weekend. Morris will go tomorrow on Thursday. Uh, Birdsell will go on Friday and Hampton will go on Saturday. Do you think that it's safe to say that this should be the rotation moving forward, regardless of what happens on Saturday when Hampton throws? Well, anybody that, you know, has listened to our pod since baseball season started consistently, um, I have literally preached the same exact message since this team started kind of going downhill is it takes one game in baseball, it takes one series, it takes really just, you know, even one inning to completely change a trajectory of a season for a player, team, anyone. And I think that um, from what I saw, like what I have seen going into this series um, and then the results that we got during this series uh, is really telling um, I think this was the one series that especially text pitchers needed more than anything, especially on Sunday. But just in general, you know, our bullpen has been really spotty throughout the entire season. Um, you know, and it still wasn't fantastic. But, uh, you know, and it, I don't think it's ever going to be perfect. But if Tech – the thing is, if Tech can find and hopefully um, Chase Hampton is that – but, you know, the Sunday starter, if he has his mojo there, if, if he's the guy that we saw on Sunday, um, this Tech team is going to be sitting a lot prettier going into postseason baseball because that's, that's the big thing 
Um, you know, tech is probably, you know, we, you and Mike have been saying it a lot, especially tech is 10 times more dangerous in a super regional than they are in a regional. But, um, you know, if we get that third day pitcher and some consistency there, tech might, we saw it this weekend. We saw this to me, this series was tech baseball at their best this season. And that includes having that third day pitcher that can really be the difference maker in tech's entire season. And it has been in our entire season. Like, you know, that has been the downfall many times, not being able to complete sweeps of bad teams because we have no consistency pitching on Sunday. And, you know, now if Hampton is even, I'm not even going to say, he doesn't necessarily need to be elite. You just need someone that you can put out there confidently. And, um, you know. Someone to get you the fifth or sixth inning. Yeah, exactly. Like, baseball, especially going into Sunday, you know what arms you're going to have available uh, for extended innings. You know, if you can get to that fifth, sixth, and I think the bullpen also looks much less like a garbage fire if, um, you know, if you have more consistency in that starter spot throughout the season. Uh, I don't think that our bullpen gets picked on nearly as much. But um, it's just... I think I have to probably see it for more than one series is the thing. But also, that that Oklahoma State team, uh, they have been ranked high all season for a reason. Uh, they are a great baseball program, a great baseball team. And that's why seeing Tech not only win the series, but sweep them. Which, yes, everyone like knew to control our own destiny, Tech needed to sweep them. But I don't think... I personally can't say I felt that they were actually going to sweep them. I could envision a series win because of how good our pitching is the first two days, and it's consistently been in the weekend series. But I couldn't necessarily envision – I couldn't even predict a sweep because, you know, how could you? How could you watch Tech Baseball this season and go into that series and expect a sweep? But not only did they sweep them, but – um at times it looked very convincing. They looked like clearly the better team consistently. So, and that's the thing, that's what makes them so dangerous is if they get that third day, if they can get to the point where, you know, getting three wins in a row, um, it is expected, which I think after this series, it should be very expected. If we get the first two, you know, I think that, you know, even feeling like we have a chance in that third game now, is so refreshing. And I think I'm just hoping that, you know, we finally right before the postseason, right before very important now, a now very important big 12 tournament that typically isn't very important. Um, you know, just finding that third guy, if I, if Hampton is that guy, I hope he stays that guy, but we really won't know. Uh, until we get to see really this last OU series and then the postseason. So, but uh, a lot of positive things to take out of this weekend, though. And that's the biggest thing is just um, 
you know, we got the sweep and now we are in a position to be successful and control our own destiny, especially against an OU team that theoretically they probably should not be that close with tech this weekend. But, you know, I know they've had a up and down season and they've had some bright spots this year. So I'll be interested to see how it wraps up. Yeah. They're pretty hot right now. Um, you know, I I I think that people would like to know, uh, you know, do we still have a shot at hosting? And I want to say yes. And I think that if you sweep Oklahoma and you win the Big Twelve outright, then you're you're gonna host. I don't think that they that the committee will will send Tech somewhere as a two seed after winning the Big 12 outright. I just can't see that happening. Um, I I really think that if you go two and one against Oklahoma and you end up being co-champs with TCU, because, I mean, I think it's really dumb what the Big 12 does when it comes to this, but it's the truth. Um it, Tech would be the co-champs with TCU, but T, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. TCU swept this team in Fort Worth, um, so what I'm thinking is that you know Tech has hosted a regional, what is it, five consecutive times uh, that Tech has hosted. And it's the only team in the country that has hosted five consecutive times. Uh, I think if you if you want to get that sixth host in a row, I think that if you go two and one against Oklahoma, I think you have to get to the championship game of the Big Twelve baseball tournament. Um, as much as it kind of doesn't sound good, this team in the past has really. I don't want to say underperformed, but we're getting to the point now where in baseball, a lot of teams just look past the conference tournament because, you know, unless you're using it as a springboard, because I've we've seen teams, uh, you know, get hot just starting in the conference tournament and get all the way to Omaha just because they started in the conference in their conference tournament and got hot at the right time. Um you know, I, I want to say last year Mississippi State did something similar to that. Uh, granted, they were pretty good all year, but I, I think that they really used that conference tournament as a springboard into the into the regional and super regional rounds to get going. And I, I think Tech could do that too. Uh, I really do. And and if that were to happen, and if you do find that third that third spot being filled by someone consistent like Chase Hampton was this past Sunday. Uh, You know, I don't want to say the sky's the limit for this team, but the limit is a lot higher than it was just two weeks ago. Uh, I think this team, you kind of, you get to a new level because when you're winning on, when you're winning in all three games, the bats are coming live because they don't feel the pressure to get the runs on the board in order to support poor pitching. You know, if you're going out there and 
after the third inning, you're down by six runs. You're going to try and do all you can to get those runs back. And I think that's what kind of stagnated our, uh, our offense on those Sundays is because everyone's just trying a little bit too hard. Uh, obviously you can see on Friday and Saturday, they're a little more free, free swinging and, you know, just playing their game because they're comfortable because they know that they have good pitching behind them. Uh, you know, I, Morris and Birdsell have been fantastic all year. Uh, I don't expect that to change. Uh, but I, I want to, I want to jump to jump ahead to OU real quick. Um, just kind of looking at their, at their schedule. They're 31 and 19. Um, they're six and three on the road in big 12. Uh, their last road series was, let me see here, at TCU, and they won that series. They took two of three from TCU in Fort Worth. Um, they took two of three at home against West Virginia. So they've won, what is this, one, two, three, four. They've won, they've won four straight series in conference play. Uh they lost two of three against Texas at home and lost two of three at Oklahoma state. Uh, so, you know, they've beaten TCU who's right now in the clubhouse with the lead. So this team is definitely no slouch. I think they're a lot better this year than everyone thought they were going to be. They play a similar style to West Virginia uh, if we remember, West Virginia kind of gets on base, and they like to run. Um, I, OU has uh, 118 stolen bases as a team. That's good for sixth in the country. Uh, Tech has 27 stolen bases on the year, and I don't know what that is. I, I'm don't, not even going to try and look. Um, you know, in the game that we played against OU and Amarillo earlier this year, OU won fourteen to nine. It was it was a crazy night in Amarillo. The wind was blowing out to right field. It was blowing like forty miles an hour. Balls that were normally fly balls were going thirty feet over the wall. They had a guy who had two homers against us. I think he had like seven RBIs or something ridiculous like that. Uh, we didn't see their best pitching either, but and we're not going to really see that guy, I don't believe, that started that game against us unless we see him out of the pen at some point. In fair comparison, they didn't see any of our good pitching at all. Uh, I think we used 11 pitchers in that game, and no one did anything worth a crap. Obviously, if the bullpen that showed up against Oklahoma State shows up then this is a whole new ball game for tech uh i can't um i can't really see our bullpen going back to square one like it was in that oklahoma game because i really don't like having to pray for your starter to go eight innings um morris and birdsell came we've seen him do we've seen him throw back-to-back complete games so can they do it? Yeah, but I don't think that you should be relying on that in order to win games. 
Um, Kendall, I'll, I will throw it to you for as we kind of start to wrap up this episode. What would you say is one key for Tech to at least win the series and get a and get a co-conference championship against Oklahoma? What are what are what is one key that you or one good thing you'd like to see Tech do this weekend uh, in order to kind of wrap up the season to complete the regular season? Uh, in a sense, just kind of built you. You never want to be satisfied. And um, obviously this team's not satisfied. They know what's at stake. But after a series like that Oklahoma State series, it's very easy to have a letdown after that. That's the same in any sport. But um, baseball especially, um, you know, they're coming off probably the highest of highs right now. Um, And it's about just staying kind of level and continuing to go after that bigger goal. Um. And really just can't stress how big just figuring out some of the pitching issues would be for this team. Um, Because, you know, early in the year after the Texas series, a lot of us had, you know, Omaha dreams. And I think that those are still a reality if we find this consistent pitching. And that really starts consistency. Um, we had one good series. Now it's to follow it up with another good series. It can't just be, um, you know, that Sunday doesn't prove anything um, because we've seen what they look like, like what the Sunday pitching can look like at its worst. So I think this is kind of like almost a prove it series, you know, to really prove that um, Tech is possibly taking that next step, especially with the Sunday pitching and, um, that's what I'm just going to look forward to seeing, you know, did we get our hopes up or, um, you know, is this legit? Do we have our, uh, did, did we figure out something? And, um, I think if we do, I think the first two days I, I'm going to be way too overconfident, but you know, the pitching, uh, combined with, if we get, if we start out hot, uh, like we did in, mostly the first game against Oklahoma State with that grand slam. But, um, you know, the second game really was that seventh run. Was it the fifth or the fourth? I can't remember. But um, that was really big. And those types of innings early in games uh, really just changed the flow of a whole series. And I think that, you know, if Tech can start out hot and just keep the pitching going, keep going what they just built on OSU, I think this team is going to be going headfirst into the postseason with probably one of the hotter teams going into the postseason. Uh, if you look at just like the last couple of weeks and what tech really, if to me, if they go and sweep and they win the Big 12 title outright, ha, you know, for where we were sitting at just a couple of weeks ago talking on this pod about how big of a downfall, you know, we really felt they were having, which at the time, was completely reasonable, but you know, this team for all the freaking out that we've probably done all the stress we've had to still be sitting there for a big 12 title. And, uh, it, it, it was interesting. And I mentioned this just before we sign off, uh, but you know, Kendall Rogers said 
on Twitter earlier today that he feels that the Big 12 tournament it could essentially be the difference in hosting between, uh, you know, Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State, and possibly even Texas, because Texas RPI rank is still ridiculously high, which is just stupid to me. But I'll never understand those me- type of metrics. But uh, yeah, the baseball, the baseball RPI is just. Yeah, in all reality, it's. Like, just, I think yeah. I feel. I think I saw that they're still in the top fifteen of RPI, and it just it makes absolutely no sense. If like, I'm not, they've mistaken, been god awful yeah, in the Big Twelve I, play. If I'm not mistaken, also I believe that Dallas Baptist has an RPI of like four. Yeah. <laughs> just just because their strength of schedule is so high, because in their midweek games they're playing Big Twelve teams. Well, and I also wanted to say this: How stupid is it that Texas A and M? cancels i i think it was a midweek yeah. game because they don't want to hurt their rpi if they lose well like, that's no, just... the, the, the the issue is is that the team they were playing had such a low rpi and this is where the rpi is super flawed when it comes to college baseball uh because there are teams that have rpis that are so low which i don't know who they're playing i can't remember off the top of my head but the team that they were playing their rpi was so low that even if A&M would have won, their RPI would have still gone down. And Rich. and so, and that's and again, that's where the RPI is super flawed is that you can you can play a team that you scheduled, you know, 5 months ago and their RPI is in the 200s or whatever and my RPI is in the top 10. And if I beat them, even if I beat them by 20 runs, my RPI still goes down just from being on the same field with them, which is well, really and stupid. I and I don't know how the how that happens, like how you can allow that to happen. But I also read something today that they're going to start looking, that the governing body for baseball is going to start looking at, um, you know, letting teams drop their lower RPI games. Like they're going to still play them but let them drop the result off their RPI. I think you get to drop – they're talking about letting teams drop their lowest two games. So, like, it'd be our worst two losses. Um, And I – and but – and still, they were going to punish teams that started canceling midweek games towards the end of the year. Like, there have been a lot of teams this week that have done it. And it's really – Iowa just did it. I was planning on going to their game, and then I just saw it – they just got over 30 wins and like for the first time in forever. And they say they're going to go to the tournament. Yeah, they, they should, which actually I wanted to mention that, you know, the Iowa series, it was looked at pretty badly at, at the beginning of the year when they lost that game, but it really looks a lot I, better you know, now. Yeah. Well, yeah. Iowa, I think now. is second in the big 10 now, I think. So they've yeah, Maryland, actually, yeah, they're second to Maryland. Maryland is having an absolute, hell of a season i think maryland's over 40 wins well the big right 10 now. just in general i've kind of noticed like the teams that are typically at the top they're just they were ter- yeah ter- not i'm not gonna say terrible but like just not the big 10 sucks but even the good teams were not typically great this year but maryland they've they've been on fire yeah all right folks well um i'll i'll go with one thing kindle give me a prediction for the series and I believe we will be back to record next week prior to the Big 12 tournament. 
which starts Wednesday at Globe Life Field in Arlington. I am going to be there, hopefully, for Wednesday and Thursday games. So if anyone listening to this is thinking about making the trip into Arlington on Wednesday or Thursday, shoot me a DM on Twitter, or you can DM the Hub City Homers account, and I will respond to it. Um, But Kendall, how do you see this series going? What's the skinny? I'm going to regret this probably, but I'm going to predict the sweep. Um, this team knows what's sitting in front of them. They sure as hell don't want to share it, especially with a team that, you know, they did sweep them. You know, I know a lot of, like, I feel like a lot of those tech players and coaches would sit there. Yes, they're considered co-champions, but when you're considered, you said it pretty well, when you're considered co-champions with a team that swept you, you know, like in the back of your head, you kind of know, even if you get the title, uh, you know that that team has that type of bragging right on you. They want this. Sh- I think they want this outright. And um, I think they get it. I think they're going to come out determined. Um, you know, I think they really did figure something out. And I think we're going to see it. And, you know, I, I really think one of the three games, I really feel like we're just going to blow their doors off. I don't know which one. If I was a betting, which I am a betting man, but I would say one of the first two days. But I do think that this team figured something out, and I really want to see them close out the season on a really high note. You know, I'm going to agree with you here. And, um, you know, I've been the team's biggest, one of the biggest critics, mostly because of the bullpen all year. And just mostly because I I truly believe in telling it like it is. I'm not going to sit there and sugarcoat anything, but – uh, I think that if you get a the same team that you saw in Stillwater last week, and I think it, I think it is a sweep. Uh, I think that if I was anyone on this coaching staff, I would have the, you know, the paper article from when they beat us in Amarillo. I would have that on the bulletin board. Um, you know, these 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 kids aren't stupid, like you said. You know, they know what they know what's at stake. They know what they're playing for. And um, I'm just really hoping we see the same team that we saw in Stillwater. Because if, if we see that same team, I think it's a sweep and I think it's an outright Big 12 championship. Um, which I, I'm just going to throw it out there that if this team wins an outright Big 12 championship, I think Tim Tadlock probably deserves to be at least mentioned for National Coach of the Year. Uh, just just because, based off where we were even two weeks ago, like we talked about, you know, this team – went nine and 10 in the month of April uh, in 19 games in the month of April, they went nine wins and 10 losses. Uh, So I I think that it's, I think that it's nothing short of a great coaching job. And you know, that if this, if this team gets that pitching figured out, the bats have been there all year when they're not trying too hard. So, I think that if that pitching has gotten over that final hump, then I think that we could be watching the beginning of something that's going to be really fun for a lot of tech baseball fans to watch, uh, you know, over the next month or so. Uh, But anyway, this has been the Hub City Homers, episode 36. Uh, I'm Jack. That's Kendall. And uh, thanks for riding along with us this this evening. Uh, We'll catch you next time.
wreck them. <laughs>